We're starting a brand new series today called Church Victorious. And all these other people who are out of town right now, you're going to have to preach it to them when they get back. We're going to just, we're going to dial it back and do something that we don't always do. We're going to preach and teach through a book of the Bible. And not so that you can, you know, at the end of it, you can toot your own horn and say, man, I read a whole book of the Bible. Although, to be fair, that's pretty cool. It's a good thing for us to read the scriptures and, and to progress through it. That's a great thing. But one of the reasons we are doing this as a church is to help you grow in your faith. And there's no greater place, in my opinion, we could start as a church over the summer than the book of Ephesians. It's only six chapters. I'm going to be honest with you. I had a difficult time getting through three verses in under 30 minutes. (laughs) So you're going to be here for a really long time today. Just kidding. Church, we're going to get after it, though. I'm probably going to be sweating up here because the book of Ephesians is it's, it's commonly referred to as, as kind of like the, the, it is the masterpiece, the work of art, so to speak, of Paul the writer, the epistles. If he was a painter and he had a lot of pieces that he painted, the guy wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, this is kind of considered the Mona Lisa of all of them. The Bible is all rich and all good, and we all should, we should read all of it. But there are things that stand out, and there are words that Paul uses. The language that he uses is majestic. And it speaks to the depth that you and I are to have in our relationship with God. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to start talking about things like purpose. You ever struggle with purpose? Ever struggle with what you're supposed to do? What you're supposed to live for? Ever struggle with that? I bet you do. Ever struggle with your identity and who you are? You ever wake up in your morning and you just wonder, man, what am I, what am I doing this for? Well, Ephesians begins to answer this for us. And in six chapters, Paul builds like a, like a Lego set or like a multi-layered cake. He, he begins to, to build this thing. And by the sixth chapter, he reminds us that as a church and as saints, we are called to do what? To battle. He calls us to war. These are not words that we like to use in 2018. That sounds offensive. With all of the international tensions that we have, I, I get it. These aren't words that we like, but, but turn off what's happening culturally and, and understand for a second that, that the war that Paul is calling us to is a spiritual one. We as a church are called to battle Satan. We are called to war against demonic forces that exist in our city and in our world. We're called to fight that which is wicked and evil and exalts itself up against the righteousness of God. We are called as people to do something about that. But before we're called to do something, before we're called to battle together, Paul spends the first few chapters of Ephesians teaching the church how to stand together. So before we get to this really awesome Braveheart, gladiator, fight scene. 
We've got to know who we are because if you know who you are, you'll know what you can do. Father, be with us as we begin to read through the book of Ephesians as a church. Help us to stay locked in over the summer. Help us to grow. Help us to understand who we are as Christians. If any is, is here this morning and is uncertain about faith, God, I pray that you would speak loudly this morning, clearly this morning. Draw us closer to you. It's in your name we pray, amen. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess. This is my wallet. I know you're super impressed with how thin it is. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that just about everybody here has one of these with them today. Maybe in a purse. If you're a guy, you probably have it in your wallet. If it's not with you right now, then it's either in your car or sitting on top of your dresser somewhere. Right? Every, almost everybody. If you don't have one yet, you'll get one at some point in time. Everybody has this thing called a license, which we use as a form of identification. You're tracking with me. So if you, if you are trying to leave the country... As some of our missionaries will do, you've got to have one of these, and you've got to have a passport. And on that passport has information, and on your identification, you have information that is used to determine if you are who you say you are. You get pulled over by a police officer. License and registration. You hand it out the window, what do they do? And on this little thing, what do I have? I've got a driver's license number. I've got brown hair. Mine says beautiful brown hair. I don't know how that got on here. <laughs> Handsome. I mean, this is amazing. My, I, I don't get it. It's got weight. It's got whether you are a male or female. It's got your birthday. It's got where you live. It has your address. It has all kinds of information that verifies that you are who you say you are. So putting this aside, what if you had a card that was a spiritual identification, a spiritual ID? And on that card had bits of information as to what a Christian or a follower of Jesus is supposed to look like. Information that somebody could look at to verify that you are who you say you are. Does your life look like what the spiritual ID says it's supposed to look like? I struggled with this for a very long time, and to be fair, we can all struggle with it at any given time time. But understand, when we begin to open the book of Ephesians, Paul lists and begins to write what our spiritual ID is to look like. And when you're moving through customs, so to speak, it should be very clear to the world, to your friends, to yourself that you are, in fact, Looking like that beautiful ID picture is on that spiritual ID. You guys tracking with me? You guys with me? Am I making sense? 
So here's what we're going to begin doing. I'm going to read a very lengthy portion of Ephesians chapter 1. Now, it's summer. It gets warm. I'm asking you to, 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 to stay locked in. In order for us to read through this, it means that there's some portions of text. Paul writes super long sentences. Sometimes it feels like you're reading a legal document. But we're going to read a portion of it because I promise you, if you own it, if you let this thing sink down deep, it will change the way you relate to God and to the people around you. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. First two verses are Paul basically giving a greeting to the church in Ephesus and to all the churches abroad. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. <gasps> Deep breath. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It is in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will." in order that we, who were the first to, be, to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 13. Whoo! That is a lot. If you, if you grew up, this is how I grew up. Summertime, when, when I grew up, there wasn't anything like, you know, you, mom or dad didn't have to be outside for you to go outside and play for like 19 hours straight. You just went outside. And you had this screen door that would slap open, and you, and you had the sound, like you knew the sound of your screen door, you know, and your screen door would slap open, and it would just be, it would be mom. Andy, dinner time, right? Just wherever you were, you had to be within earshot. Because if you missed dinner, you were going to be in trouble. But other than that, nobody cared. <laughs> you just did whatever you wanted to do. Right? People, you get into some trouble here and there, but it was a fun time. But in the summer in St. Louis, you'd hook the, the, you'd hook the hose up. You ever tried drinking out of a hose that's high pressure? You ever tried that? Almost everybody has at some point. This is a little bit like that. 
Paul writes so much in just 13 verses. It's, it's like turning the hose on and, you know, your, your cheeks are just getting slammed with water pressure. You know what I'm talking about. You're trying to get a sip and you're getting annihilated, right? So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to reduce a little bit of the water pressure and we're going to begin to break this down little bit by little bit so that we can actually apply it and own what on earth my man is talking to us about. Of all the letters that he writes, this is the only one that he doesn't write with specific intent to correct any kind of heretical teaching. There's no, there's no bad teaching. There's no incorrect theology. There's, no, there's no, no, no person in the church who's jacking things up. He writes a letter that he knows is going to be passed around from church to church to church. And so he begins by talking about who we are as Christians, whether you're in this place, whether you're in that place. We can all get on the same page as to who we are called to be. Because, church, there's a great mission for us to do together. But before we can do it, we got to know who we are. Verse 3. Let's take a sip from the sink, shall we? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I want to remind you this morning what Paul says about you and what the Bible says about you and God says about you from cover to cover, and that's that you are blessed. Who are you in Jesus? You are blessed. That's who you are. That's a weird thing to think about, that you, are, that you are a blessed people. This is a word that we use a lot in the South. The Bible, there's, there's Bible Belt blessing, okay? Oh, you know, bless him. Bless, bless them. Bless them, okay? It's Bible Belt blessing, Right? Or you know how it is where it's kind of like the the blessing is really, it's a word that you use to describe that you actually kind of feel sorry for that person. Oh, bless their heart. Golly. Bless their little heart. Their life is just terrible. You know? No, that is not what we're talking about. This is not God's pity. This is not him looking at you and thinking, oh, man, these pitiful people. You know, let me just, God has blessed us because he looks so poorly upon us. That's not the kind of Bible Belt blessing we are talking about today. When you, when we talk about who you are in Jesus, your spiritual identification, it begins with this sentence that you and I are blessed in the heavenly realms with every single spiritual blessing that you need in Christ Jesus. But what does that actually mean to be blessed? It's a super churchy word. It comes from the word, the Greek word, Eulageo. Excuse me. To speak well of and to confer upon someone that which is beneficial. Sounds so formal, doesn't it? 
to confer upon them something that is of benefit. It's spoken. The blessing that Paul is writing here about is a spoken, out-of-the-mouth blessing. Eulageo is where we also get the word eulogy, which is when someone speaks well. Oftentimes, unfortunately, at, at their passing, we, we have a eulogy, a moment of honoring, a moment of speaking well. But when God speaks, it's not just when you are dead or are passing away. It's not just the, the eulogy. When God blesses and God speaks, this is a moment for you and I to pay great attention. Look what happens when God speaks in Scripture, Psalm 29, 2 through 9. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. Skip to verse 7. The, the voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry, Glory. See, when God opens his mouth, power flows out of it. And so when we say that God is blessing us, when Paul writes that you and I are blessed, you and I need to understand the significance and weight of what it means for God to bless his people. Oh, we use blessing all the time. Who's going to say the blessing? Oh, bless them, bless this. We, we have a blessing for everything. No, 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 no. No, that kind of blessing and God blessing you, it is not the same thing. Oh, now we have the power to bless and to curse. But make no mistake about it, even that, we need to understand the significance of what God is doing and saying. Here's a big idea for you, that when God speaks, incredible things happen. When God spoke, he spoke the world into existence and it was formed. The Bible says that it was out of his mouth that God spoke and put the stars into their place. He spoke the orbits into existence. He spoke light into beginning. He spoke it. It came out of his mouth. He spoke and said the creation was good. He spoke through Jesus and demons went running. He spoke and people were healed. He spoke and darkness fled. When God speaks, incredible things happen. One of my favorite encounters in the book of John is Jesus being arrested. Sounds like a strange thing to be into. But theologians think that the band of soldiers that came to arrest Jesus was about 300 to 600 strong. They weren't playing. And it's nighttime and they've got torches. 
Not everybody can see everybody super well. And if you recall the story, I'll paraphrase it for you. They're they're asking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus steps forward and he says, I am he. Gangster. One of the disciples says, hey, who, who are you looking for? We're looking for Jesus of Nazareth and this huge display of soldiers behind these men. And Jesus steps forward and says, I am he. And the Bible tells us that the entire legion of men fell to the ground. Out of the power, the sheer power of Jesus' voice stepping up and saying, I'm, I'm who you're looking for. Oh, God, and, and just down they go, laid out. The Bible says it's the same word used when a, when, a, when a group of people is laid out unconscious, when they are laid straight on the ground. This wasn't like, oh, you got a little bit stuttered, you, got, you, you took a shot to the jaw. No, this is you got laid out, haymaker style. Vander Holyfield just dropped you to the mat. And so when we say that Jesus was taken and arrested, Jesus wasn't taken anywhere. Jesus volunteered to go. When God speaks, incredible things happen. What else did he do? He spoke. Jesus was baptized. What is it that the Bible says that God, the Father, looked down from heaven at his son Jesus, and he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, the power of that, the significance of that, the blessing of that. So when we speak of the blessing, when we speak of being blessed in the heavenly realms, you need to understand that out of the voice, out of the mouth of God, you are being conferred with something that you need, something that will be of great eternal benefit to you. And we miss it. Our grandparents, are, or my, my children, I have four children, and when their grandparents come to town, our kids always get pumped. Uh, obviously, it's, it's gran- their grandparents, right? But the grandparents always bring little trinkets or little toys or a little something for the kids to get, and so naturally, we've got to help the kids with this. Naturally, they get more excited about the toy that's coming than Nana or Papa or Gigi. And so the grandparents will get there, and, you know, the kids are all, you know, they're trying not to say anything. They're just kind of standing around, you know, hoping maybe there's something that's going to come out from the car, something like that. And we, we, we talk to them all the time. Hey, listen, the greatest treasure is not the gift that you're getting from Papa and Gigi. It's the fact that they're here in the first place. We know, Dad. We know. But is there a blind, you know, is there my little pony, you know? Hear me, we do the same thing with God. Because when we speak of his blessing, his, the blessing that we're talking about here that gets warped into prosperity gospel, it gets warped into, into these twisted things as if the benefit of God is greater than the benefactor himself. The blessing that God is talking about is his very 
presence? What can he give you and bless me with or you with that is greater than his actual presence in our life? But oftentimes we get excited about the little thing that's in his hand and he's trying to draw us to understand the depth of blessing that he is to us. Who he is as our father in heaven. The creator of heaven and earth desires relationship with you. He sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. And because of it, you are blessed beyond anything you could possibly imagine. You are blessed. When you get up in the morning, guess what? Your feet touch the ground. You know what you are? You are blessed in the heavenly realms. You see, what happens is I begin to look at my circumstances and my situations, and I begin to think that I'm not blessed. False. My identification says this. This is who I am. I am blessed. I'm blessed by the very presence and voice of God. That's who I am devil, you better recognize. I'm sweating now. Should have brought my towel. My goodness. Ephesians 1.4 For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You know what you are? You're blessed. You know what else you are? You're chosen. And there's lots of different theology that goes around with this. And I'm not going to get into the thick of it this morning. But I'm going to share a few things. First and foremost, if you've, if you've ever grown up being hurt, you know, and you, you heard the words that you were an accident, and even the joke of it, oh, you know, mom and dad, this was the accident, baby. I want you to hear this. The Bible says, Paul says that before the foundation of the world was ever even set, God chose you and desired relationship with you. So you need to understand something that you have a daddy in heaven that looks upon you and that while you might have been a surprise to a mom and a dad in the flesh and on earth, you're not a surprise to God. He doesn't make mistakes. And he doesn't have accidents. We have what we like to call a bonus baby in our house. The bonus baby. But you know what we don't use? We do not use the word accident. Because God doesn't have people that are accidents. He doesn't. Now, there are things that I don't understand about how God moves and about why things happen or why things don't happen. I'll be the first to tell you as a pastor of this church, I don't understand all that. Sometimes I'm bothered that I don't have those answers. And other times I just give it to God. I have to trust him that his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are not my thoughts. But I've got to understand this, and you've got to understand this. When your feet touch the ground in the morning, and it's Monday morning, you need to remember who you are. Well, who, who are you? Well, I'll tell you who you are first. You're blessed. I'll tell you who you are second. You are chosen. God chose you and desires relationship with you. You did not choose him. 
He chose you. Now, when people get into all kinds of theology of predestination and Calvinism and Arminianism, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know how it all works. I don't understand how God foresees. I don't understand his omnipotence and his omniscience. I, if I did, I would be God, and I am not. But I will tell you that I fully believe in God's purposes. I fully believe in God's sovereignty. And I also fully believe that God gives us the freedom to choose. The free will to make choices that we are held accountable to and for. I don't know how those two things marry together. And there are books in the page, thousands of pages who attempt to describe this and, and bring clarity to this. And guess what? No one has. It's one of those things you're going to have to give to the Lord and rest in the fact that God is a, is a God that chooses his people. You're chosen. And yet, I do think that there are many who reject what God has freely given. Bible says that he desires that none should perish. But when you get up in the morning, there should be a sense of pride in knowing that God dreamt of you, of having relationship with you, that he calls you his treasured possession. You know what? When, when, when dad loves his children, it's amazing how janky life might feel and look, and yet how satisfied you can still be knowing that your dad, your heavenly father, loves you, cares for you, and adores you. And you've got that. That gives you confidence in your step Confidence in your walk, confidence in your job, confidence in who you are. I got the last Star Wars movie that came out, not Han Solo. There's like a new one that comes out every month, I feel like now. But The Last Jedi came out, and I surprised my two oldest by getting them out of school a little bit early. They didn't know. They didn't know what was happening. I just rolled up. I had movie tickets. Got them out of class early. We went to the movies. It was just me and just the two of them, and we pigged out. And Caroline, I'm sure, was bored out of her mind watching the movie. But there was still this this moment, even just talking to them. What did they cherish? What they cherished more than the movie was the fact that out of everything that Dad could have been doing. He chose to have time in relationship with Graham and with Caroline. They felt chosen. They felt valued and appreciated. And you know what it does? 
it changes your stature. It changes even the way you walk. It changes the way you, 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 you carry yourself and your shoulders. You know, it's not this. It's, it's this. It's, I have a dad in heaven who loves me and cares for me, who has chosen me, and who has blessed me. It transforms who you are. Right along with it, Ephesians 1, 5 through 6. It says that he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Who are you? Who are you today? You're blessed. You're chosen. And Paul says that you and I are sons and daughters in his kingdom. That's an amazing reality. That Jesus is now your Lord and Savior, but he is also now your brother in Christ. That's difficult to wrap our head around, is it not? You are blessed. You are chosen. You are a son and daughter in God's house. This past week, well, like two days ago, there was flashlight warnings. Anybody get flashlight warnings on their phone? And, you know, the alarms are going off. You know, beware, don't get on the road. Well, a pipe busted in my front yard. It was amazing. And... Uh, Right by the house, Amy and I, Amy and I, I don't even know what we were doing. We were eating at the table, and all of a sudden it sounded like Hurricane Katrina just came into our basement. We look at each other, well, what is that? We open up the door to the basement, and I mean, it sounded like nine showers were just, and we thought, oh, no. So run out to the street, turn the water off. You know, the water starts, still is pouring in because it's raining so hard. And if any of you know my wife and four kids, they had to go out of town because we had no water at the house. Power's going in and out. It was a disaster. And I'm on the phone with company after company and plumber this. And, I mean, I've never been in this situation before. And so everybody that I'm talking to, you know, it's, it's, they're giving me quotes that it's going to be this much. This kind of thing is really expensive. And so, while well, I didn't show this in front of my wife, <laughs> I was starting to get real discouraged. Man, I don't have this. How am I ever going to do this? God, I'm a pastor. Come on. Like, don't I get some freebies here? Like, give me a break. And I prayed. I was like, I don't know how on earth this is going to happen. I don't know how I'm even going to pay for this. And I kid you not, I'm on the phone, and one of the, the first people I called, they, they, were, they were not able to come to the job site. They weren't able to make it happen, and, but I got a hold of somebody else. But I, I was on the phone with so many people. And people were coming to my house. If you know me, you know I love to talk about church and faith. And I'm going to figure out somehow, 
some way to steer this thing and have a conversation about church, Christianity, faith, something. Even the people on the phone. I mean, sometimes people I'm on the phone with 10, 15 minutes with. You're laughing and you're getting to know each other a little bit as, you know, you're laughing about the fact that you got a flood working through your basement. Company comes out and they fix this pipe, patching holes. And I knew how much it was supposed to cost. And we sit down at the table and, you know, I'm pulling out my wallet and the checkbook, whatever. And he gives me a price that's not even close to what it was supposed to be paid for, what was required. So I was confused. So I'm asking him, and he said to me, he said, one of the other companies that you were talking to on the phone, you were talking to about faith, decided to pay for half of your bill. So wasn't a company that was ever going to work on my house, wasn't going to get any business out of it. And I mean, I, I did one of the you know, kind of moments at the kitchen table. I was so moved by it. So was the guy who was, he'd never even heard of this before. So he leaves the home. I've got no kids at the house. Amy's gone. And I just walked around my home and prayed. And I just, I felt the Holy Spirit reminding me, even in the midst of, my, of the message, Andy, you are blessed. You are chosen. Hey, do you understand this, Andy? You are, you're a son in my house. Now, does something like this happen every single situation in every single instance? No, it doesn't. But God was reminding me in this moment that I don't have to worry or be stressed. I don't have to be fearful because I am a part of God's kingdom. Guess what? It was just stuff. It's just a home. And I mean that. It's just a home. Everybody's fine. Everybody's healthy. God, forgive me for doubting. Forgive me for forgetting how much you care and love and provide and show yourself strong time and time and time again for your people. God, thank you that I am blessed. I'm not blessed because I got a bill half paid for. I'm blessed because of you and your relationship. I'm blessed because you chose us and you desired relationship with me before the foundation of the world was ever set. I thank you that I can walk with authority as a son or a daughter in your house. I can pray over situations and expect my daddy to do something about it. I remember when I would come home from college, I didn't need money anymore because I had a job, but my dad would always pull a 20 out and try to stick it in a pocket somewhere in my shirt or my pants, and I would say, Dad, I don't need that. And he would say, I know you don't need it. I'm not doing this because I have to do it. I'm doing it because I get to do it. I'm your dad. And dads just know how to provide. If an earthly dad can do that, how much more should our heavenly father know how 
to love and care and bless and choose and affirm his children. Amen? So what do you do with that? Well, considering we only got through six verses of chapter one, you're going to have to come back next week. In the meantime, as you're going to lunch today, as you're going to work today, as you're raising your children today, as you're going on vacations, as people are coming in and out of town, remember who you are. When Satan would come to deceive, when he would come to lie, when he would come to give you stress and anxiety and to make you afraid, look him straight in the eye. Look the situation straight in the eye and remind yourself who you are. This is who I am. I don't got time for this. God, I thank you that this is how you've made me. This is who you've called me to be. I reject anxiety. I reject fear. I reject depression. I'm not suggesting that there's never things that are that are medicinal or anything required to go to a doctor. That's not what I'm suggesting. But there is a there is an oftentimes forgetfulness that we have, church, is it not? We forget who we are. Stand to your feet. Lord, I thank you right now, God, that you're confirming and affirming afresh today who we are in Jesus. God, I thank you that when you speak, God, healings happen. When you speak, deliverance happens. When you speak, salvation happens. God, when you speak, provision happens. When you speak, we are blessed, God. And we thank you that you are doing that over our lives. Lord, you bless us. You bless us first and foremost with a relationship with you. God, a saving knowledge of who you are. God, would you draw close to us today? God, would you remind us today? God, I thank you that, Lord, when we feel alone and we feel isolated, we feel we're doing this on our own. I thank you, Lord, for reminding us, God, in the quiet hours of the night, in the quiet hours of the morning, that we are chosen and we are blessed. God, thank you for reminding us that we are sons and daughters and we get to walk in the full confidence of who you have made us and called us to be. Help us, Lord, to walk in it today and forever. In the name of Jesus, the beautiful, mighty, and majestic name of Jesus Christ, we say,